You're listening to the Label Machine series, a podcast to inspire and help indie record labels and artists to build income streams for their music. I'm Nick Sadler, a music entrepreneur that has helped start and run multiple indie record labels. In this series, I'll be speaking with music industry leaders about their experience and the lessons they learn on how they both market and grow their music income. Welcome to the Label Machine series, where we discuss with our guests how artists and record labels sell music. Today's guest is Nimrod Azule. He is the CEO and co-founder of MySphera, a platform that helps music reach new audiences through the new age of content creators. Currently, MySphera has worked with over 25,000 musicians from around the globe and has a roster of over 1,800 content creators. He previously worked as content lead for Tinder.fm, and he loves exploring the connections between content and technology in the creative space. Nimrod, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be here. It's been a while since we last chat, and uh, I think it's been like a wave of or two of pandemic in between. So uh, it's been interesting few months i think for the industry as a whole and the technology ecosystem in general um so yeah really excited to be here really excited to talk music and all about the things between my fair and music yeah awesome now where are you currently calling in from it looks very sunny and nice which is the <laughs> opposition to what i see out my window yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. It's like the, the Tel Aviv flat. Uh, I'm located in Tel Aviv where we have like three days of uh, rain a year. Um, I think I got like a really nice day outside. It's uh, 18 degrees Celsius, which is cold here. Um, <laughs> so, so sorry about that. You know. Oh, um, lovely, lovely. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, want, I want to come and visit one day because I have heard the climate there is amazing. So... Uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe post COVID, uh, I'll do a trip out there. Now um, let's get started at the start um, and talk <laughs> about how you got started into the industry uh, to where you are now. Just give us a quick breakdown. Yeah, sure. So um, I always loved music. I started off as a DJ and a record collector, working at record stores, communicating with musicians in Tel Aviv and across the globe. And from there, I started working in the world of uh, content curations, working at the Heather FM, which is like a digital radio station in Tel Aviv. And from there, I started exploring technology. I worked in startups that had some kind of connection to the creative world. And from there, I met my co-founder, Neta. And we used to do like sessions, really talking about the ecosystem of music and the ecosystem of technology and thinking of ways on how we can solve different problems in that. So we were discussing about how music is discovered and the shift from a more old world of conventional PR, billboards and stuff to the new world and like the new places where musicians can be discovered and the rise of music streaming and the rise of um, Instagram as a platform for discovering music. It was in the days of Musical.ly before TikTok. So it wasn't TikTok back then. And we wanted to find ways that are affordable for musicians 
to reach those tastemakers because we knew they hold like a really powerful audience behind them. And we've looked around and we see that many of the platforms that were available that we love um, are more of a marketplace and they give all the selection rights to the musician, which sometimes creates a lot of friction because if you're a musician and you don't really tag your music properly or don't understand what your music is, you can submit it to the wrong people. And if a lot of people submit wrong songs to the wrong content creators, it just creates a lot of load on them. And the content creators receive actually music that doesn't fit their needs and they will dislike it. So we thought how we can change it around. And then we started working on MySpera. And our main premise was we want to understand what's music. We want to understand what content creators are looking for. And we want to make the process automatic. And um, from there, I think we started really reaching out to content creators that are loving to discover music and they love to communicate with their audiences. And we started building the roster. And once you have like a, a roster of people that are eager to share new music with their audience, the musicians started coming. So touch wood, we've been growing ever since. So were you, were you referring to companies uh, when you're talking about that kind of give out um, all the content curators details, um, platforms like HubSpot. Oh, not HubSpot, uh, sorry. Um, uh, I've just... SubmitHub, I think. SubmitHub, that's right. That's what I'm thinking of. Are you I, thinking about SubmitHub? I, I think SubmitHub is such a powerful tool that you mm. need to be so well educated in how to maximize it because many musicians come there and they just, aim for all the creators there, all the playlist curators, and then they just spam them. And like this level of friction can really hurt their chances to be featured and they can miss out on the creators that will love their music. And on the other hand, it's hard to be a content creator and having like 20,000 tracks in your, in your magazine that you need to check out. It's, mm. it's something that is frustrating. And again, you know, I think Jason and the team are a remarkable bunch of people that have done amazing things. But we wanted to take a different approach because mm-hmm. there are a lot of uh, submit hub competitors that take a very similar approach. So let's just let's just go back a step as well and talk about you know what the mechanics of MySphere, like uh, you know for someone new to all this. Uh, what what exactly are you doing, like you know, in layman's terms? From uh, let's say I'm an artist and I've 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 landed and I want to I want to promote my music to music curators. So these are people that have got playlists. I imagine Spotify playlists and things like that, SoundCloud playlists, maybe YouTube playlists. I want to get my music into their hands. So talk me through the mechanics. Yeah. So I think just. One second before, and I will just give a proper explanation about who are the MySpar tastemakers. They are content creators with the size of micro to nano in terms of influencer size. And we decided to focus on them because they have higher engagement rates rather than the bigger influencers. And they are individuals that are passionate about using discovery and communicating music constantly to their audiences. So they could be curating playlists on music streaming platforms, but they can also be 
gamers on Twitch that sometimes put music in the background and share a playlist before every stream. Uh, it could be a yoga instructor on Instagram. It could be influencers on Instagram. It's just a wide range of personas that the core value that they are after is leveraging music when they communicate their content. So if you're a musician coming to MySfera, what you do is once you submit your track and add a few tags describing it, we actually run an analysis of the music itself, understanding the moods, understanding the genres, and understanding different waveform uh, properties. And then we do a match with our roster of tastemakers. This match is based on not only the music the tastemakers love, but also the music they love sharing. You can imagine a yoga instructor that loves death metal but I don't imagine her using death metal in her classes. So this is another very important layer. Once the match is done, we direct your song to the most relevant tastemakers, the tastemakers that are most likely to like the track. Um, when a tastemaker receives the track, he receives it in our tastemakers web app. It's actually an app that we developed for the tastemakers to easily listen to music, feels like Tinder-esque, like, uh, like this, like pretty straightforward. And if they vibe with the track, they can easily share it across their platform. They can share it on socials. They can add it to the playlist. And of course, they have like uh, another way that is a little bit more novel that we call Spotlight, that we connect them directly to the musician and there they can offer something unique if they really loved with the track. It could be like an interview. It could be like a IG live session. So this is what we are able to create during my Sarah campaign. Gotcha. What kind of <clears throat> what kind of genres are you covering at the moment? And I understand you cover all all genres at the moment, but you know, are, are you? Is there anything that you're finding is coming? from a curator's point of view, I guess, seems to be more popular? You know, it's very funny because I would start by saying that mainstream genres tend to outperform, like EDM, trap, electronic, that is like tech house. But it caught me by such a surprise that neoclassical is starting to gain a lot of traction, like chill, solo pianos, we've seen a lot of music that is being submitted to us that fits that genre. And it's amazing to see like a chill tastemaker that are more focused on lo-fi just vibe with this kind of music and just understand the beauty of it. So I think it, it's not the most popular or the most trendy, but I think it's one of the most interesting things that we came across when it comes to like genres being submitted to us. Gotcha. And of the uh, 1,800, 1,800 content curators, or did you say, do you say curators or creators? Creators. So, yeah, because I was saying content curators. When you say a content creator, so like the, the uh, is that because you're referring to someone who might have a, a yoga YouTube channel? So they're a creator. Is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah. I or or it's. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So what are the different types of content 
creators you have? I mean, I guess give us a rundown of, you know, what is that makeup of the 1800 people? So I think first and foremost, as you said, it's curators, people who are creating content on music streaming platforms. They curate playlists and in various genres. Mm -hmm. On the other end, we have people that you can call influencers that are doing different kind of uh, video content across Instagram or YouTube. And besides that, we have some gamers on Twitch, which is really exciting for us. Um, and besides that, you know, we are trying to find the right people on different platforms like TikTok. And we always keep an eye on emerging platforms such as TikTok and others. So I think in general, we have the playlist curators, we have the influencers that could be like the yoga instructors, and we have the YouTubers and the Twitchers, and uh, that's, I think, in a nutshell. Gotcha. So sort of in a, in a way, it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, in a way, it's like you're almost like a, because a PR company is, right? You've got a PR company, you'll give them the music. They will then go and pitch it to different playlists. So in some ways, you're sort of doing that, slightly automated, but then it's almost like hubs, not HubSpot, sorry, um, Submit Hub, but they can't see it. It's I, I feel like it's somewhere in between. It's like you're getting you're getting that effect, but it, it, it's very it's very I guess curated from your point of view. How like personally from a business point of view, and I want to say also congratulations for setting up a company because I know it's not easy. Um, so yeah, congratulations on getting this far and and moving along and building up that audience. Um, but. How are you going to how are you going to scale that if you're going to be looking at each and individual artist that comes through? Can you talk kind of talk how you're gonna tackle that problem? Yeah, definitely. So one of the main verticals in my sphere is the data science. So we have a data science team that handles a lot of analysis of the content creators and the musicians, and we are constantly making it more and more data driven. So there is no individual that needs to sit down and tag the music. So in terms of doing the matchmaking itself, it's like, a, I'll use fancy words. It's like an, an AI-driven algorithm that does the matchmaking. I think for us, it's one of our main selling points because we're like, we try to understand your music in the context of our content creator's roster. And then we do the matchmaking. So in terms of handling more submissions and handling more content creators, I think it's pretty scalable. It doesn't take a lot of uh, uh, manual labor to do that. But I do think that as we handle with two sides, sides of users, I think it's always a challenge to find the right balance because you don't want to have too much music and you don't want to have too much content creators receiving too little music. So this has been a challenge for us. And I think for everyone who has two types of user or who has like some kind of a two-sided marketplace. Mm. And um, we work hard. We try to find places to be introduced to music. We see a lot of uh, organic growth from the content creator side and a lot of tastemakers that apply to become tastemakers. And I think the hardest part is actually doing the proper audit and analysis on the 
content creators. You know, there are a lot of bad actors out there. There are a lot of um, mm. numbers that are being like, uh, you know, pumped up. Yeah. So for us, I think if we go to challenges in terms of scale, it's definitely we are constantly adding more and more layers to auditing the tastemaker because it's all about creating the value. So this has been the biggest challenge, I think, also technology. In terms of technology, you know, building those proper pipelines to analyze and have like their best perspective on someone and his audience and making sure he's in it for the right reason. Yeah, gotcha. Well, it's good to hear that you are auditing the content creators as well, because I think that's really key. And I guess, you know, for the people that are listening at the moment, you know, I talked about how they, how you can scale, but if you're listening right now, now is a good time to get in because, you know, you guys are, you know, I guess in an early stage where it's not really crowded and you are going to get that personal touch as well. And, you know, I, I know we've had three members go through, um, which you very kindly uh, offered to us and they all had a really great experience. They said it was awesome. Um, so, and, and you know what, I, I, th- I think uh, what, right now, um, what is the, I was going to save this to the end, but might as well just cover it off now because I think it blew my mind when you told me. So how much this actually costs if you want to cut and today. So what are we with Jack? January 2022, because I'm sure this might change in the future. But what does it cost at the moment to run a campaign? So a basic campaign that takes around three weeks and has like a a potential reach of around 2,500, which is the minimum size of total tastemakers your music will be matched with, and costs around $20. We blow out the reach metrics to the roof with every campaign. It's just like the minimum, minimum, minimum that if we see we don't have it, we refund the user completely. Mm. And uh, the premium, which has a more substantial potential reach, and it's a four-week campaign, costs around $30. So for us, it was all about being as affordable as possible. Mm. Now, yeah, if you're listening... I don't normally use this as a platform for doing such direct promotion and mentioning prices, but I specifically wanted to because that is insane prices, $20 and $30. I mean, it's a no-brainer. You know, it's completely worth using the service for that reason. Um, I mean, you know, what's $20 nowadays? It's going to buy you lunch if that's... If you're living in... If you're living in in any uh, metropolitan city these days, um, so uh, let, let's talk about some campaigns. So, are there? I, I, I guess to start off with, what are some of the artists and labels you currently work with, and can you tell us about a particular artist or campaign that you're most proud of? I think that um, actually, the the first campaign we've ever done. Like our proof of concept is definitely the campaign we are most proud of because it was the reason we created the company. We worked with an Israeli artist called Kutiman. And Kutiman is someone who constantly reinvents himself. So he could make like an Afro-funk album and then do like an 
ambient album. And he just actually released from going to like full-blown hustler funk, a really mellow ambient album. And his manager reached, us, reached out to us and said that he felt that there is a lot of potential for the music, but it's just really hard to find the right channels for it. And then we actually did the first MySphere campaign and we found this huge segment of mindfulness influencers, yoga instructors, chill playlists that are more focused towards yoga and uh, meditation. And we created like a brand new channel of exposure for him. So for us, it's been one of the most uh, exciting campaigns because it was like how we imagined it. And I think it's really exciting for us just to see the independent musicians that go through the platform and come back and see their numbers grow and um, then trying to grab a new audience and releasing new music. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I think another artist, Israeli, that we've worked with and we've seen like really cool campaigns is Peter Spacey. He does like a lo-fi beat and um, his campaign is always really cool because he somehow manages to touch like a really large range of uh, content creators because his style is so versatile. Mm -hmm. And we do work with a lot of uh, promotion companies and uh, labels that are, I think, smaller. Um, and, you know, it's, this is what is so fascinating to us because different labels have different needs. So working with labels is really like a layer of refinement for us because you understand how different people view their the promotion of the content they produce. So I think feedback from labels have been so crucial for us because we understand how to be more accurate when we work with the label to create like a more tailored result as like an independent musician knows that there are 60,000 songs uploaded to Spotify every day. You're like a grain of sand among the content. And all he wants is just to be directed to a potential listener. And the label already often already has this base. So he wants to maximize it and gather knowledge and i think maybe i'm walking into an open door but for me this is something that much more independent musicians should start thinking of how to transform like promotion and campaigns into insights that you can translate into um strategy and to workflows and how you can double down on what's working so mm. it's really interesting yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, when you're speaking about working with labels, you know, a record label is a professional company, you know, they speak, they understand the language of promotion and marketing and understanding, like you said, like looking at the data and making the most use of it. Um, and of course, at the label machine, you know, where we teach, you know, to to run your music career through the lens of a of an independent record label, that's a big part of it for us is, is understanding the the mechanics of how why it's important 
to approach your marketing and PR in a, in a professional way and, you know, why it's important to look at the data, why it's important to have systems in place and keep working um, on um, and keep working on consistent music and campaigns. So um, just going back to, to the, so just very quickly, the two artists you mentioned, the first, what was the first guy's name? Kutiman. Kutiman. How do you spell that? Just so people want to Google it. K-U-T-I-M-A-N. Okay. And the second guy was called, second artist? Peter Spacey, which is Peter and Spacey is S-P-A-C-E-Y. All right. So if you are listening, whip out your phone and uh, have a quick Google and check them out. Check them out on Spotify as well. And, uh, and, and, and you'll be able to, I guess, uh, listen to the music and check out those monthly listeners. Um, so do you find, you know, with Peter Spacey as well, you were saying he's come back to you a few times. You've done campaigns with him. Do you find when you work with artists um, more than once, there is a because the music's going up maybe to the curator uh, the creators and they're familiar you get a better pickup I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is it you know is it beneficial for someone to keep doing multiple campaigns um, or is it sort of a, a a very linear type thing so for I I have two layers of this answer so I will start by saying doing a campaign for the same track is beneficial as we are constantly adding new content creators to the roster. And as I said beforehand, if we see there is no potential matches, we refund the artist completely. So it's, it's like a win-win. If you have new people that you can reach, good for you. If not, all good, no worries. And on the other end, our campaigns are directed not to an artist, but to a song. So if you release three singles and they have different vibe or somewhat of a similar vibe, you can create digital assets for each of them. So for you, it's just better. So as I said, like resubmitting the same song is something we see less often, but uh, our retention is mostly on an artist level. That whenever he has a new release or he wants to revamp music from the catalog, he returns to another campaign. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when you, with working with artists and labels, what, what, what do you find is the best way they can um, prepare their, well, I, I, sorry, I guess when they send stuff to you, do they need to have a story and a press or is it, purely just name and the music and it's taken on that it's taken purely on the on the music basis you like you don't it doesn't matter the press release the whole backstory like sort of talk me through that i i will first you are completely right in the second side of things we want the music to stick for itself and you know for me as i said i was a dj and i used to and i still collect records and for me, there are two things that were important. How the cover art looked and how it felt when I put the, the needle on the record. And we, I think we wanted to keep that feeling. You know, you don't want to read like a long EPK. It's not mm. the story of this, 
this individual. I know this individual has a story, but if the music speaks for itself, you will do the additional digging. You know, if I love a record, I will read the liner notes. Mm. But I need to first love the record. And I think for us, it's like removing the level of friction. And sometimes musicians, and I bet you know that, do a bad job doing EPKs. And their EPKs could be why they will not be picked up. Mm. And if the EPK was gone and I pressed play, I would be like, damn, this is great. I love it. So we try to look at it from a reducing friction standpoint. Mm. No, I totally get you. I completely agree. When I used to buy records, I go to the record store and you're flicking through the new releases. And you know what? And that's why I always believe artwork is so important because I would see dope artwork and I'd be like, and more than likely when there's awesome artwork, it means the people have got good taste. And so that usually means the music is good as well. Like it's, it's, you know, like they go hand in hand. And I think that's, it's so important to get good, a good artwork. Um, so yeah, if, if you are, I mean, yeah, I, I always go on about this, bang on about it, but do amazing artwork, like you said, and then yeah, you, you follow with the music. So, so yeah, that's good to know. Um, I guess um, what was the other thing I was going to say about that? And and going on, like you said, if you do like the music, then you are going to dig a little deeper. And and I think it's worth mentioning here, if you are listening, you know, it's yeah, have a good EPK and have it reviewed by people, make sure. But I think super important these days, make sure that when someone types your name into Google, your artist name, you're at the top. You know, even if you run a small, like, um, Google AdWords campaign, which is sponsored, at least you want to have people that when they click on that, it just goes to your, you know, your EPK it goes about you. People can find out about you more or even just, you know, typing your artist name followed by music. You want to make sure you're at the top um, because yeah, artwork looks cool. I like the music, Google you winning. Um, what challenges do you find into artists face uh, in today's DIY climate, where there seems to be so many platforms and tools that promise to promote an artist's music to the masses? Um, you know, I'm a big believer in trying out things. And for me, it's been one of the most important ways of unlocking growth for my company. I tried different outlets. I tried paid ads on Google. I tried paid ads on social platforms. Um, one works better, one works worse. Then I think for musicians, it's very similar. There are loads of platforms, as you said, and there is loads of competition in terms of new music. So you need to be really methodical in how you release music and create like proper strategy. And I'm sorry that I'm using like big words but set goals, set like routes to reach those goals and then see what works. You know, maybe my fair campaign does wonders for you or maybe it's the, not the right platform for your music. It could be that. I don't think there is one solution that fits everyone. And this is something that people in general tend to forget. You know, it's not one size fits all for anything. Every song, every musician could find his niche and 
you need to align your expectations accordingly and you need to optimize accordingly. So um, I think for musicians, what I would recommend in terms of the challenges is just try out different things. I don't mean like spill all your money on that. Try to find something that fits like uh, your budget. Try it out, analyze it. If it works, try it again. And like constantly upgrade the umbrella of services you're using when you're releasing a new track. Yeah. So I've got a question for you. Would you as an artist with a single to promote and they've got a list of platforms, they've got, say, you know, they've got your platform, they've got Submit Hub, they've got Playlist Push, um, they're going to use Omari, his platform. Um, so they've got these different services. Now you talk about monitoring, you know, the results. Would you, would you suggest somebody look like does each one of those platforms one at a time so like say three weeks on three weeks on for each one or do them all at once what what would you recommend doing in that situation um this is a great question and it could you can take two approaches here because if we just look at music streaming platforms sometimes if you release the music on the first and you unlock every potential playlist on the third, it would be very good for you. You could be picked up by the algorithmic playlist that our main uh, creators of listeners on these platforms. So on that sense, I think it's really cool using those platforms at once. But I would also suggest that you want to make an impact on the first month of the release. Or, or the first two months of the release. So maybe just divide it into two blocks of services you're using. Mm. So it's yeah. kind of a different approach. Yeah, kind of somewhere in between because, you know, when we're just discussing here, I was thinking, you know, because at the label machine, you know, we talk about the different types of platforms you can use. There's, you know, obviously setting up a Facebook and Instagram marketing campaign. And, and the kind of, you know, what is the order to do it? And I was just thinking, you know, what, what would make sense, especially if you are, you know, you're at the start of your career or, or even, even, you know, you've got a new song and you want to maximize, I think what you said, your umbrella, which is, a, which is a great, which is a great analogy of, of, you know, covering lots of areas is, you know, in, in an ideal world, you almost do want to just have a list of every single platform and you want to allocate a budget to each one of those and just work through every single one. And, and then you kind of, I guess you're covering all your bases. So, so I guess what you're, what you're saying is, let's say you've got 12 platforms, you're saying break them up into two segments, you know, mm -hmm. do, do like say, say maybe, a, maybe a chunk, maybe eight at, eight at the beginning and four at the end. So there's a bit of front loading. Um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I've, I, I think I'm going to now, <laughs> create a little mini promo course around that. Um, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm stoked. Cheers, bro. <laughs> no, definitely. I think like you really put the nail on the head in this one. You know, if we lived in a perfect world that no one was afraid of spreadsheets, I would write it down, all the proper channels, break down my budget and start putting it like in mm. a timetable. Mm. So 
Definitely, definitely. And then, and then you can measure the results. And then, you know, you do yes. that for three for three singles, and you're going to start seeing. You know what? Out of those twelve, these six really outperform the others, and so you just focus your budget there. Um, definitely, it's, yeah. you know, as you said, like independent musicians don't have big budgets, so they need to get mm. the most out of every buck. Mm. And you maybe will see that one platform provides you more monthly listeners, but the other provides more followers that are engaged on your social platform. It's also important to understand how to... It's, it's funny, perhaps, what I'm going to say, but how to own your audience. Because a listener is something that could be really far away from you, right? It could only reside on Spotify and it could never be converted into something that is more meaningful like buying merch or going to your live show or going to your digital Q&A so you don't need only to measure it by monthly listeners you need to find ways to measure like listener to fan ratio mm. it's quite difficult and I uh, yeah. some time but uh I think the chat when you say fan, when I when you say listener, I think someone who's maybe added me to a couple of their personal playlists on Spotify, right? Or Apple Music, right? That's a listener. I say fan is someone I have their email address. And they yeah. and they open up my email addresses. And I, I think the challenge these days, which which is different from 10 years ago, is converting, is getting that email address right. You know, because you've got an email address. And you might even know where they're based. You can send them an email to go buy your merch, to go buy your album, to listen to something on YouTube or to, or to buy a ticket to a, to a gig. It's more, I, I think it's more challenging now to get that email address. 10 years ago, you know, it, you know, you could just give away the download, right? Enter your email address to download the track. But, you know, for, the, for, for club music, that still works. But for the more, you know, mainstream listener that's using Spotify, no one downloads anything anymore, right? So how, you know, what are, what are you, you going to offer for free to get that email address? I, and I think that's, that's a bit of a challenge. I think small, what, what I'm focusing on this year is smaller merch packs. So, you know, you, something where you can, you know, buy something for less than $5 and get something in the post, you know, whether or not that's, you know, like a little keychain or something, because by doing that, A, you know, you're making a little bit of money, but B, you're getting that email address and securing that person as a fan. And, and you know, with things like Spotify being able to incorporate your now merch page on your Spotify profile, I think that's a direct link to be able to, you know, convert somebody there. So, yeah, I, I have, have you got any ideas on, I'd be interested to know on sort of how you can convert the listener to the fan. So this has been like one of the biggest challenges in my sphere. And actually, um, we are working on a new product under the MySphere umbrella. We call it MySphere Spin. It's still in the works. It's really, it's really like um, maybe it's rough around the edges now. But the goal of this product is to combine music and gamification in order for you as a musician just to do what you said in order for you to grab that email, to own the, the potential fan and just to put him inside your mailing list, like creating this wholesome solution for you from 
the moment someone reached out and found your content to capturing him as a viable fan and having his email. So it's definitely one of the biggest challenges we've seen, you know, trying to explain musicians how to do it. So we thought, oh, there is a gap here. So maybe we can create something new that will help them. So mm. it, it, for me, you said something really cool. It's all about creating this additional layer of value. If someone is going to search your Instagram page or is going to search you on Google and he will see your Instagram page and in your LinkedIn bio, you will say, be the first to get my pack of stickers. I don't know. It's something small and it's cool. And mm. I used to collect like artist stickers when I was younger. I really loved it. And I would put my email and address just to get this pack of stickers. And as you said, something really small, the friction is so low and the value you can get as a musician from doing that, it's so high and so impactful. Like, and I don't want to go against Spotify at all. I love Spotify. I use them to listen to music all the time. But even though that I can add my merch selling option, it's still on Spotify. And I really love like... um hedging my risk and if i have like a newsletter or like a substack or somewhere that i know that my my audience is in in a way that i communicate to them directly i i would always be happier mm. so long as it's so long as it's simple you know i think email yeah. though you know even an email newsletter i, I think is still really really the most yeah, really the most powerful these days. Um, yeah, great. So what, what rookie mistakes and common problems do you see over and over again that new or early career artists make? <laughs> I think uh, you said one of them doing like amateur work on the cover art and i think the other side of it is not doing proper mastering and like uh not having even the volume adjusted for a release before they release it to music streaming platforms always mix and master this is like something we often say to musicians you know you you have solutions that are not breaking the band nowadays just try to make things sound as professional as possible. And um, this is the, the biggest challenge when you see music that is submitted to us and it's not professionally done, you know, it makes everything so much harder. Mm. Do you sometimes have to uh, sort of say, look, I can hear the music's good and there's some good ideas, but do I need to... Like, I, I need you to go back and, and kind of make this more professional. I think that for us, the, the big problem in that aspect is we receive music that is already released. So it's already on music streaming platforms. But, you know, we try to create like uh, blog posts or interviews or directly communicating with musicians. We hear something that is cool or we see that tastemakers like it, but don't feature it. You know, they can just like the vibe, but not necessarily think it's the right thing to share. And if we see like these kinds of metrics, we try to understand why. And sometimes it's that reason, you know, 
that your ideas are good, but the execution is 80% and not 100%. Mm. All right, that's awesome. Now, I ask everybody this. Uh, how would you run a typical single release with a six-week lead time? Like, And when I say run a campaign, I'm you know, in an ideal world across marketing and PR. From, from that lens, how are you going to promote that? With a six-week lead time, what would you do in those six weeks? And first and foremost, I will go into my data and see who my listeners are. I will try to understand my listeners. Then I will run a few campaigns with snippets across like a social media platform mm-hmm. with a, a link for a pre-save. I will definitely have a pre-save on my LinkedIn bio as well. I think it's all about creating the right hype. Um, something cool that not enough people are doing is actually partnering up for giveaways. Um, maybe find another musician that's releasing something. Maybe talk to your local record store or someone who's selling you the equipment for the music production and just reach out and ask them, hey, are you willing to partner up in order to help me promote my release? I will put all the funding, just help me with uh, perhaps with like a, a small reward or something like that. And that's definitely something I will try out. Um, just very, are, just very quickly on that point. So to go into details, would that be something like you know reaching out to, you know, let's say you use a, um, let's say you use a Newmark mixer or something, you'd reach yeah. out to the company and you say, hey, I, I use your equipment all the time. Here, here I am in my live streams using it. If you help me promote this, can I get a 10% discount off anybody who goes and buys something from your store? Is that what you're sort of talking about? or I'm, I think it's a combination of dream big and be realistic. You know, I wouldn't go to native instruments if I use machines. <laughs> they, would, they would be like, uh, okay, sweetheart, I think uh, let's yeah. come, back, come back when you're bigger. Yeah. But, you know, it's always nice to aim for the, aim for the fences, in a sense, you know. Go big and try it out. But also, like if you have like an online retailer that you bought like uh, plugins from or I don't know, drum pads or your equipment from, just say, hey, I'm going to promote my release and I will promote you in it. Will you be able to provide some kind of a reward for the people who will participate in the gift, in the giveaway, sorry. Gotcha. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Approach someone that's of a similar level and you're right, an independent software uh, company yeah. with a small team, they're looking to try and grow their audience. They're more likely to go, hey, that's cool. Let's do something together. Okay, cool, man. I just, yeah, I just wanted to pick up on that. So uh, we're in our six-week link, going back to yeah. what you're talking. And then search for all the platforms that are similar to us, but handle music before it's released. I think a hype edit, and I think Submitup as well. And um, you can send music before it's released and start getting like blog posts, articles, everything like building that hype. In the meanwhile, on your socials, use a scheduler like Buffer or Hootsuite and just create different narratives for each story. So let's say six weeks prior to the release, you talk about the studio time, run a few videos, share a few stories, create a reel, like try to build that hype through content and have it all sorted out. Mm. And of course, once it's released, um, head over to my sphere and uh, <laughs> all of the friends. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, that's awesome. I think there's some really good ideas in there. Um, thanks for sharing that with us. So um, I'm going to just jump now, um, just watching the time. Okay, so I'm going to jump into some music trend questions. Um, so this doesn't, yeah, this is just sort of your general view on the sort of industry at the moment, if you've got some insight. Um, with record sales, where are you finding royalties are coming across, coming from mostly these days, 2021, 2022, from major platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, where, where are you finding it's coming from? You know, I think I read a really interesting article, the rise of catalog in comparison to new music. And I think it's mind-blowing. Like 82% of the listens go to like music that is catalog, think, yeah. A, yeah, a year and a half before That's the right. user press play. So I think musicians should really focus on not only releasing new music, but really grooming their back catalog. And if you have something that works, try and continually expose it and continually expand it. So I, I believe music streaming is definitely a great channel for a steady income. I, it's not the highest per play, but it's a nice place to reach new fans. Um, don't only focus on new music. I think it's something that we learned, I think, is people who are handling growth as well. We know that you need to always groom your back catalog. You always need to groom your old blog posts and articles. Every place could provide you a return on investment. And, you know, in terms of the ecosystem, you see loads of platforms trying to make accessible like the world of cryptocurrencies for musicians. I think it's really interesting. Um, it's very similar to what we've seen like in the previous crypto boom with all the ICOs, if you remember that mm -hmm. people were doing like yeah. uh, initial coin offerings. And it's somewhat of a wild west at the moment and it's getting more and more structured. So keep a close eye. Maybe you will find a cool platform that will pick up and... Mm -hmm. uh, See if you can utilize it in mm. your music, you know. I, I, yeah, just to briefly touch on NFTs, um, <clears throat> you know, going back to when we're talking about how you can turn a listener into a fan and with, you know, downloading music now is, is becoming less relevant to the mm -hmm. mainstream listener. However, I think the opportunity around an NFT and saying, hey, I'm going to do an airdrop of I've, I've created a, you know, like a, an, an, an NFT of the artwork, say it's, uh, you know, it's like a GIF moving of, of, the, of the album artwork or something. And I've just got a thousand of these that are going to airdrop, click here and, and we'll send them to you. And, but you have a gated thing where you say enter your email address and your wallet and then we will send this over to you. And I think that might be the next wave of being able to connect with somebody where they get something in value of return, you know, that NFT that you've created and you get something as well. You know, you get the email address and a stronger connection to them to keep those communication channels open. And I, 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 I think that's where it's going to go in the next few years, uh, which is great because, you know, there is that gap of how you can kind of build up a stronger relationship. So yeah, I, I do agree with you on that. 
Um, I normally ask Spotify, what have you been finding uh, works for getting on Spotify playlists? But um, I think as that's what your whole company does, I think with our whole podcast has been talking about that already. Uh, and again, I often ask about HubSpot, but I think we've covered that. Um, blogs, do you think they're still relevant, music blogs? Definitely, definitely. Although we don't focus on them and we understand that powerhouses are still powerhouses. You know, there are a lot of people who are still using different tools to discover music. And besides that, from a strictly SEO standpoint, as you said, it's very important to be number one when it comes to people searching you as a musician. Get those backlinks. You know, backlinks are one of the most important pillars of SEO strategy. So having those backlinks could definitely be substantial for you, especially if you have like a, a funny name like Pizza Hut producer. You need to have those backlinks to be Pizza Hut. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I agree. And I think it's still, you know, if someone does Google you and then you see pages and pages of people talking about you, you're like, oh, wow, they're obviously doing something. So, yeah, I, I agree. This um, That was a good insight on that. Um, paid advertising, um, you know, personally, if you've got uh, your own project or you're working with somebody or any of your teams, um, do you use it? Do you know people that use it? Any works, any failures? I use it. I failed with it. I succeeded with it. It's all about doing your homework. It's mm -hmm. all about keeping a close eye on it, understanding where you're aiming and constantly optimizing it. Not magic, and it could escalate very quickly if you're not well oriented in what you're aiming to do. You know, those, yeah, they it's what that these companies does, right? It's, it's the job they you give them a budget and they use the budget for generating clicks or actions. I don't know, and you need to be really, really, really um focused on everything so. If you're doing your first ad campaign on any of these platforms, do it after you've done some substantial research. You know who you're targeting. You know how you're measuring success. Read a few guides. You know, take mm. your time. Don't mm. uh, join the label machine. I've got lots of courses on this. Definitely, stuff. <laughs> definitely join the label machine. Why are you there yet? Read the guides. <laughs> are you? Do you? you do you use it at, at all to promote my sphere? What? I, I'm sorry, I didn't. Sorry. Uh, do you have you used any paid advertising to promote my your platform? Uh, yeah, we use uh, Reddit, we use Twitter, we use Instagram, we use Google Ads, uh, we use Facebook Ads. Um, oh, interest. Just on a personal note, because we're about to on on another project I'm doing about to do Twitter. Have you found Twitter marketing? Does it? Yeah. What's your What's your feelings on it? Um, I feel it's better than Facebook, but I think it's worse than Instagram. For me, like Instagram tends to outperform than Twitter, than Facebook. So your order is Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, as far as yeah. valuable. And, so Re and Reddit for novelty. Reddit is like, a, yeah, hit or miss. You know, sometimes it's amazing, yeah. sometimes it's 
oh my God, what's going on? I've, I, yeah, I've used, I've done some campaigns in Reddit and it was very difficult. I, I'm, yeah, I, I, you're right. I agree. It's at the bottom at the moment, but you know, if you've got the budget and you want to cover all your bases, it's worth doing. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I was going to say the next one then is moving on from paid advertising, but you know, they've all got, we're still talking about the platforms, um, with social media, which platforms are you finding are getting the best response in 2021 across YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as far as engagement? You know, I think I I don't want to be so repetitive in terms of like, there are a lot of metrics that are evident for everyone. You know that TikTok is constantly growing and you know that Facebook is dropping in terms of engagement. So I can just say personally as someone who, deals with a lot of content. I really love discovering things on YouTube. I think YouTube is really powerful for creating long sessions between a creator and a fan. It's a great place for you to get like long form content. I think Instagram Reels is nice. It's gaining a lot of traction mm. as it's a new feature. So definitely use it. And uh be on TikTok. I know that if you're as old as me, it feels kind of weird, but do it for yourself. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, even personally, I, I, you know, as the label machine, I joined TikTok um, the end of last year and I've got uh, one of my team members, you know, they go through and, and help curate what I'm going to kind of talk about. And, you know, three, 400 people are watching the videos, um, which is great. Um, and then we re recycle the content onto reels and some of them, you know, have had like the, the, the one just before the last reel had seven and a half thousand plays, you know, which was amazing. Cause we've got just over a thousand followers on Instagram. You know, it's, it's not a very big channel for us. So yeah, I, I have to say TikTok and reels, uh, for us just, yeah, agreeing with what you're saying are the, are the big ones. Um, so yeah, I, I think. We're coming up for a wrap. Um, I guess uh, the next thing is I wanted to ask, where can we find you? What's the, I know there'll be a link, but uh, what's the website address? So uh, it's www.myspera.co. C-O, no M there. We put the M in myspera instead. (laughs) And um, my underscore spera on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. And uh, I believe we, we spoke at the beginning. There is, uh, if you are a, if you are listening, we have got a special, there will be a link underneath that will give you a discount, a discount on already what is a ridiculously uh, good price for my sphere, but there will be a link. We can't, we can't remember what the percentage is, can we? I don't, I'm not sure if it's a 10% discount or 15, but there is a, there is a discount link um, that will be available. So you can click through and try out MySphere. Thank you, Nimrod, so much uh, for being on here. It was awesome speaking to you. I, I know you—you know—you're another music fan. You love marketing and connecting musicians, much like me. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Same here, man. Hopefully, we can do it a lot, and uh, can't wait to see what 2022 will bring. Yeah, awesome, man. Thank you. Ciao, man. 